someone asked me, he said, Jim, you've been at this for so long. What is the next, uh, 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 what is the best conference? My response always the same. It's the next one. <laughs> and this is the next one. How many of you anticipating some from God this weekend? How many have become hungry for God? A good friend of uh, several of ours, Brother Ken Summerall, used to say, he said, if you, uh, that, uh, that he had a young man that came up and says, you know, you know you're expecting something from God if you're hungry for God. So how many of you are hungry for God tonight? Well, we, how many of you know God is able to meet us where we are? I am so excited about this weekend. We've got an array of speakers that are among my favorites and my, and my closest friends in all the world and men and women that I love so deeply. And we're honored to have them here. Um, and I'm thrilled that the opening speaker tonight is a precious dear brother, uh, Brother Charles Simpson, that has, God has used powerfully throughout these renewal years and the charismatic move of God and has been cutting edge, a voice of the Lord to countless thousands and thousands of people all over this country and around the world. And uh, it's just an honor to, to have Brother Charles with us tonight. I understand I'm supposed to keep this introduction very brief and short, but uh, I, I'm not done yet. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just thrilled to have him. I know you're in store for a great, great blessing. Please visit his table out front. It's got a lot of uh, material out there. I appreciate our speakers, uh, Carl and Charles, are bringing their, uh, uh, some of their ministry things. It's an extension of their ministry. That's a, it's a table of helps out there. So I encourage you to go by and check it out. But Brother Charles wrote a book that I have been in tremendously blessed by, enriched by, and um, I, I must just I must mention this to you because I know it will change your life. And it's a, a, a fairly new book that he wrote called "Straight Answers to 21 Honest Questions About Prayer." This is a radical book. It is absolutely a life-changing book that will give you. Uh, insights and greater in in and uh, it's looking behind the veil in a sense of understanding more about prayer than you probably ever have and answers and addresses many practical and real real questions um, it says in a world where problems grow more and more complex and desperate the need for prayer is rising I mean I can say amen Yet critical needs will go unmet until we have a proper understanding of effective prayer and how it works. Here in this easy-to-understand guidebook, the veteran prayer warrior, Brother Charles, answers 21 of your most asked questions about prayer, including, who am I actually talking to? Do prayers always work? How important is faith when I pray? How can I pray more effectively? Uh, dear, dear friend and brother in the Lord, Larry Christensen said, this is one of the finest teachings on prayer that I have ever read. And I can only say amen to that. I promise you, you will be blessed. But there's a lot of other materials out there that Brother Charles has, has brought and maybe we'll mention uh, as we go along. But it is an honor to have Brother Charles Simpson, who is loved and appreciated and in an, an internationally known author, Bible teacher, and motivational speaker, serving in the ministry since 1955.
5. I want you to help me welcome Charles Simpson and let us show our gratitude and appreciation for this dear, dear, precious brother in the Lord, a great man in the kingdom, Brother Charles Simpson. Would you welcome him as he comes? much. Are we on here? Good. Let's pray together. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, to be part of your family, to be part of this family, to be just to have a place in your kingdom. We're so thankful for the blood of Christ. We, we're thankful, Lord God, that when you see us, you see him. I pray you'll help us this evening to get beyond our own natural ability and our natural thinking and, and to, uh, to, to walk in the spirit of revelation. I pray that you'll help us as we look at your word and, and uh, try to understand what the spirit was saying to them as well as to us. And, and Lord, I thank you for all those faithful souls that gave us this book. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to thank the worship leader. He did a great job. Amen. Yeah. I, uh, I'd forgotten there was such a thing as a piano. I, I, I like pianos. I feel like I'm in the Society for the Preservation of Great Worship. I, I really, uh, I appreciate it. I'm telling you, and I knew every song that you played. And I could keep up and I didn't lose my breath one time. I just, I'm so thankful. <laughs> may not make sense to some of you, but others of you it does. Wow. <clears throat> Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29. Um, a lot of things don't make sense, do they? <clears throat> Sign said illiterate, right for freed help. Yeah, um, anyway, that's kind of... Somebody said predicting the future is easy. It's figuring out what's going on now that's hard. And... Uh, my dad, who was a minister, used to tell a story about a guy that fell out the window and landed on the street, and somebody rushed over and said, what happened? He said, I don't know, I just got here myself, and I <laughs> kind of feel like that. Um, <clears throat> about eight weeks ago, I slipped on black ice and knocked myself out. I, our yard slopes to the street, and I went skiing off the landing and uh, and uh, banged myself up pretty good. And um, when I came to, uh, I felt like I joined the stupid club. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. And I don't know if I've recovered or not. You can let me know if uh, what you think. I really appreciate being invited. Um, I appreciate being here. It brings back a lot of memories for me, and I'm sure for many of you. It's been a great place in our history, and uh, I'm so grateful to God just to uh, 
uh, be a part and um, humbled. And this, uh, <clears throat> this message, th this topic, uh, the kingdom of God, I, uh, you know, I don't think there's any authorities on the kingdom of God. Uh, my father used to say about some, some things that had to do with the Lord, he used to say <clears throat> that you can describe them, but you can never define them. And that's certainly true of the kingdom of God. Um, I want to read the scripture, and uh, I'm reading from the New King James and First uh, Chronicles 29, verse 10. This is after they had a great giving service. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. And you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all, and your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, 14, you need not turn. <coughs> Excuse me. But he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations. And then shall the end come. This gospel of the kingdom, that's what the gospel is. It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel that David recognized more than a thousand years perhaps before the Lord came in, in incarnation. That all authority was his. When Jesus said it in Matthew 28, 18, it wasn't a new announcement to the people of God, those who understood the prophets. All authority had been given to him in heaven, however huge that is, however infinite and eternal that is, and in earth. I uh, ask myself <clears throat> when I pray, who am I talking to? What kind of mind am I addressing? If, I don't know if any of you, probably some of you have seen the, the uh, movie of the Hubble telescope and the pictures it has taken in, um, in the galaxies. And um, I'm, I'm by no means an astronomer or a scientist. But the uh, zooming power of that mighty telescope <clears throat> takes you <clears throat> through the universe at a uh, very rapid pace, um, faster than light years. That's fast. And then, as they improved it, it takes you through galaxies, uh, like a trillion miles an hour or something, zooming power. And to the very edges of what we know, 
estimated by some 150 billion galaxies, each one with millions of stars. And our star, the sun, is fairly minor if you look at it just in pure material. And we're over on one corner of our galaxy, the Milky Way. When I was in grade school, the Milky Way was way off somewhere. And then we discovered that was our neighborhood. That shows you how perspective changes. And this galaxy of ours, the Milky Way, is rotating, <clears throat> I think, Every 230 million years, it makes one rotation. Now, I do believe, I think we ought to just go on home. My mind is shot. I can't, uh, I can't I'm talking way beyond my understanding, which, which I did as a child a lot and still do. Anyway, um, I, I believe that Jesus Christ formed all of it by his word. And the Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, humans are funny. They discover something and act like they made it. You know, um, it, it, we really need to back off and just be amazed. I love the old hymn, I Stand Amazed in the Presence of Jesus the Nazarene. This is such a tough subject because, for one, it's beyond comprehension. It is, as our Lord said, a mystery. And so often when he spoke about the kingdom of God, he spoke about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Everything about God's a mystery. We wouldn't know much about God except for looking at the handiwork had not Jesus come and revealed him in his fullness. Um, it's, it's, it's a mystery. The volume of, of text about the kingdom of God is uh, too much to try to cover or that we're able to cover. Uh, so it's, it's a daunting thing, and you need, you need to know that I know that when we get through with this, these sessions on the kingdom of God, it'll still be a mystery. We're just uh, kind of tapping around as best we can. Um, let me tell you how I came to it, <clears throat> the topic. And by the way, the kingdom of God has to be, thank you, I think I better go this way. Uh, I saw the light. Anyway, um, the kingdom of God has to be more than a doctrine. We think because we believe a doctrine, we have an experience, and that's not true. A lot of you know what I'm saying when I say you believed in the Holy Spirit before you met the Holy Spirit. And it's true of every truth. There is a truth you can embrace and believe, and then there's a truth you can experience and let it affect you. And um, 1972 was uh, a difficult year. My wife and I had moved from Mobile to Fort Lauderdale, and... Um, and uh, I was traveling real heavily, and I'd given up my salary, and just a lot of change going on. And um, then I went to a church in a distant area, and, and uh, I preached 25 times between Sunday and Thursday, and nobody knows that much. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was used up. And uh, 
burned out and disappointed because I, I saw some things that I really didn't want to see in that situation. And um, so I called two friends. We went to a hotel back uh, in Mobile and, and prayed together. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been where you, you can't pray, but it's a bad feeling. My mother grew up Catholic and uh, she was uh, from the bayous of South Louisiana where my father was a faith missionary for a number of years. And when she had an experience with the Lord, she told me, she said, now you watch out. Mother was a German Cajun, which is kind of a bad cocktail. Um, <laughs> and uh, she was just one of the finest women ever walked the face of the earth. But if she got upset, fire would shoot out her eyes, you know, and anyway, she, she said, now you watch out about vain repetitions. She said, don't you ever get to praying something so much it don't mean anything to you. And said, you, you watch out about that Lord's Prayer. Because you're going to be saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against you. And you better be sure you've been forgiven everybody before you say that. So I got to where I'd mumble through that part of the, <laughs> anyway. So I didn't say the Lord's Prayer. Now, we don't, when I went to school, probably some of you went to school, we, we did the Lord's Prayer every day. Read the Bible every day. Anyway, um, so I didn't pray the Lord's Prayer, but we were in this hotel, and um, a friend of mine brought a tape and was playing it, and it was a guy just reading the Psalms with beautiful music in the background. It wasn't even citing chapter and verse. He was just reading. He had a great reading voice, just reading the Psalms. And when you're wounded and bleeding inside, that's kind of what you need, you know? And so when they got through... <coughs> I wanted to pray, but I didn't know how to pray. And so I got down on my knees and started saying Lord's Prayer, which I, I never do. I never did. Not because I don't believe in it, I, but for growing up reasons, I just didn't say the Lord's Prayer very much at all. And uh, when, when I said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I said, your kingdom come. That's as far as I got. I grew up fundamentalist. I grew up, the kingdom was the millennium. The kingdom was in the future. And personally, I believe there'll be a millennium. But when I said thy kingdom come, I understood something for the first time in my life, that I needed the government of God in my life. Yes. That I, it wasn't something I needed in the future, it's something I need right now and that I was a charismatic out of control. I was running all over the place, and I was running where I hadn't been sent. That's bad if you understand Jeremiah 23. So um, I saw the kingdom. I think Bob Mumford said one time, he said, when you have an experience with God or he shows you something, you need to be locked up for at least three months because uh, that's all you can talk about. And, and that was me. I mean, I saw the kingdom everywhere. And actually, some of my friends started calling me a Jehovah's Witness, but um, <laughs> they hadn't seen the kingdom yet. Anyway, I want to, I'm not, I'm not going to finish this message tonight. Um, and see that now. I'm going to read from Exodus 19, 
and I, I can't talk about a topic like this without addressing it from the scripture. Now, the kingdom has gotten me in trouble, and not so much now. People talk a lot about the kingdom. But here's another topic that's gotten me in trouble, and that's covenant. In verse 5 of 19 Exodus, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. A holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, I want to state, and I'd like to walk over here and get a little closer to these folks, but forgive me, I'll just preach at you long distance a little bit. Huh? Well, I don't know. You, they may need to know about this conference. I'm not sure. Anyway. anyway uh, <laughs> well, it, you know, I don't want to mess things up, but I do walk a lot of times. If I'm kind of like some ethnic groups, if you tie my hands, I can't talk. Anyway, huh? We're we okay. Um, anyway, God builds his government on covenant. Now, here's a problem with the kingdom of God. When you say kingdom of God, you're, you're talking about a number of different spheres. One is he's king over all. He's sovereign over all creation. But then <clears throat> there is the kingdom of which those who are born again enter. So I don't know how you, I don't know what to do with that. Theologically, I'm sure somebody can help me. But the fact is you're saying more than one thing when you say the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God as we know it as believers, the government of God, and I, I, I think those are synonymous terms, when we enter into it, that government is based on covenant. God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God, Deuteronomy 7. Whenever he decides to do something, he chooses somebody and makes a covenant with them. Now, covenant is a bond that makes two or more one, and in covenant there's one will, marriage is the archetype that God has given to us of what covenant is, to become one. And by the way, it's in marriage especially, it's a becoming thing. Um, and, and I've got to stay out of that. But the, the thing is, <clears throat> God says, okay, I'm going to make a bond with you. Now, there's a reason, there are a lot of reasons for that, but one is God builds on a sound, sound foundation, His Word. And another is there's only one will that's going to operate in it. Um, and another is you're not going to keep your end of the deal, so God's going to have to keep it all part of the time. And so um, God makes covenant, and then he establishes his government, which is for the purpose of doing his will in the earth. So I'm, 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 I've covered too much ground in a short sentence, but just to try to... I could, you know, we could look at a number of other situations where God made a covenant and then instituted his will. In fact, in Hebrews, his covenant, his testament is his will. His, his last will and covenant we've inherited, as it were, in the New Testament. Uh, God made covenant with Adam and Eve. God made covenant with Noah. God made covenant with Abraham. God made covenant with Moses and Israel. God made covenant with David. 
And of course, God made a covenant with us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the way, covenant is initiated with blood because it's a life-for-life -life commitment. It's a giving of life. It's the most serious, uh, I don't want to say agreement because it's a lot more than that, but it's the most serious statement uh, one or more people, two or more people can make. Anyway, would to God our society understood <clears throat> what covenant is. It's not our covenant, it's God's covenant. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I thought we were going to talk about the kingdom. Well, we are, but we're talking about the foundation. I mean, if you know, any, any government that's not built on a foundation is going to fall. I mean, if you know, our natural government was built on a foundation of covenant. Our constitution was a covenant. Don't let me get started on that. Now, God help us. <clears throat> Um, God chooses. Now, uh, when I first started fooling around I, with covenant, and, you know, you, you, you kind of teach your way into something, and, and you're, you're hoping that nobody recorded it before you felt like you really understood it. But anybody, <laughs> anyway, they do. Um, but I was in Houston, Texas, right before I had that experience about the kingdom, and I was in a friend's home. He was an attorney and <clears throat> a good godly man, and he had a nice library, and I was waiting on him, and I was just looking through his library, and I pulled down a, a Bible dictionary, and I looked up covenant, and I had said, uh, I had used the, the Greek word, I think, synthiki, and uh, I had said it's an agreement between two parties. Well, that's one kind of covenant. But that's not the kind of covenant God makes. Deathic is a vertical covenant. And the first thing he says, I had said a covenant, it's an agreement between two parties. The first thing he said, covenant is not an agreement between two parties. <laughs> I mean, because I was looking in the right section. He said, it is a sovereign declaration of the mercy of God to someone of his choice for his purpose. Sovereign. I was just thinking, um, that, that's not my handkerchief, is it? No, I got mine. I, I, uh, I just about broke down a while ago when I was thinking uh, about it being God's choice. You did not choose me, but I chose you and called you and ordained you that you should go and bear fruit. Thank you, ma'am. And your fruit should remain. I can tell you I never wanted to be a Christian. I was a preacher's son. I knew too much about Christianity. I had a great father. But anyway, I don't want to go there. I just, and I certainly didn't want to be a preacher. <laughs> um, this, this freeway I'm on has got too many exits, and I'm trying not to go. Um, yeah. I wouldn't, <laughs> my, Ern Baxter, whom some of you know, is such an eloquent man, one of the finest preachers in the last century. Very eloquent, very descriptive. And, and um, when he first met my father, we were driving in the car, and he was sitting in the back seat with Dad. And my dad's a very plain, straightforward sort of guy. And uh, Ern was saying wonderful things about me. 
And I knew it was going to happen. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And uh, Ern caught his breath, and my dad said, yes, Mr. Baxter. He's Brother Baxter, he said, but if it wasn't for the grace of God, he'd be in hell right now. <laughs> it just kind of quieted the conversation, which my father was absolutely right. Um, it's God's choice. You didn't choose me. I chose you. He loved us before we knew he existed. And he made a covenant with you in the blood of Christ. <clears throat> well, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the covenants that he made, promising that he would uh, bring his word to pass, that he would send the Messiah, he would send the King, the Christ. And uh, I love reading when Mary, who had just become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, went to Elizabeth and, and the prophecies that they gave, and then uh, Zechariah uh, prophesied when his tongue was loosed. And it was all about the fulfillment uh, of God's Word. I love Isaiah. Isaiah is so profound. He saw things 700 years before Christ a lot of people haven't seen yet. And he said, a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government, the kingdom, will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Jesus was a father. He wasn't the father, but he was a father. Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. My, my. And when these women got together, you know, Mary says, hello, and that's it. They start prophesying. Elizabeth said, from whence comes the mother of my Lord to me. And it's all about the fulfillment. I love Anna's, I'm sorry, Anna. And Simeon in the temple, when Jesus brings them up, they start prophesying. <laughs> Simeon says, "You can let, you can take me home now. I've seen him." <laughs> Man, that, that's only by the Spirit. Um, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the one the Holy Spirit was always talking about, and he was the one who was going to bring the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. Uh, Matthew 4, 23 comes out of the wilderness. The Bible says, In the power of the Spirit, preaching the kingdom of God. And he said that's what will be preached in all the nations until the end comes. About the kingdom. Not about the church. The gospel is not the gospel of the church. The church is just the gathering of kingdom citizens if it's what it ought to be. But I'll say this, if people are not in the kingdom, they're not going to do much good in the church. And if Jesus can't rule their lives, the elders and pastors will never do it. Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God. He did not only uh, <clears throat> preached it, he demonstrated it. And that's what the world's waiting to see. 
in Luke 11, 20, he said, if I by the finger of God cast out evil spirits, the kingdom of God has come nigh to you. The world needs the kingdom of God to come nigh to it. Uh, and uh, he taught us to pray, of course, thy kingdom come. I don't believe he only meant a millennial reign. I believe he probably did mean that. It meant the, the word kingdom meant so much more to Jews than it does to us. We, we don't have the depth of understanding. That was the promise of Israel. That was the thing that they had looked for for generations and generations. Kingdom doesn't mean much to an American. We, we're republic government, and we don't even like kingdoms. Um, but, of course, I know you, you believe in, in the sovereignty of, of Jesus Christ. But when, when he taught them to pray, thy kingdom come, that, that's something they had been taught, uh, the kingdom, all their Jewish life. And he said, pray for the fulfillment of it. And then he said to them, the kingdom of God has come nigh. Whenever the powers demonstrated. Um, I want to talk a little bit about entering the kingdom of God, and I'm not going to keep you a long time. And I don't know how many of you are evangelical, Baptist, so forth, Methodist, but uh, I grew up Baptist, and um, we're real big on uh, the new birth, being born again. It's very interesting. How, how many of you ever read a scripture and you thought you understood it, and then you came back later and read it and realized you really didn't understand it. And figured that could happen to you again with the same scripture, too. Um, but the conversation between uh, Nicodemus and Jesus, Nicodemus was a brilliant Jewish scholar, a great teacher. But he was fascinated by Jesus because Jesus demonstrated stuff that they only talked about. And that's what affects us when we see a demonstration. So he comes to Jesus and said, you know, we know your, your teacher come from God because nobody could do what you do unless God was with him. We do too much for God and not enough with God. Um, and Jesus said, you know, he just cut to the chase. He said, unless a man is born of the Spirit, unless a man is born from above, we make the thing born again as a second birth, but that's not the whole import. He said, unless a man has a, a birth from heaven, he can't see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, as he says there. Unless a man is born again, he can't see then he says the second time, except a man is born of water and spirit. I believe water is a natural birth, not baptism. That's my belief. Water is a natural birth. We're born out of water and spirit. Unless a man is born of water and spirit, he can't enter. Now, he said, unless you're born of the spirit, you can't see. Unless you're born of the spirit, you can't enter. So... We need to see the kingdom of God, and we need to enter the kingdom of God. We need to see God governs, and we need to enter his government. 
What would happen if just the Christian population, just let's say half the Christian population started obeying God? When we're having conversations or where we're going or what we're thinking, um, it would be revolutionary. It's not believing the kingdom of God that changes the world. It is letting the king run our lives that changes the world. Now, I'm glad, you know, for people that believe it. There's, um, <clears throat> there are three words I want to focus on for a few minutes, and then I'm going to wind up. One is the word transfixed by Christ. We're talking about entering the kingdom. I love the hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Um, we get too familiar with God. We think in our, familiarity is a dangerous thing. It's dangerous in a marriage, it's dangerous in a job, it's dangerous in church. Because when you get real familiar, you're not paying attention. And you, you, you miss things that you shouldn't miss. The, the, the Bible says the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God. But I don't think the word fear translates what, what it really means. It's a kind of holy arresting. And... Uh, we need to be transfixed by Christ if we're going to understand his sovereignty, if we're going to understand he's the king. And um, we, we live in a casual culture. It's very little honor in our culture except for people that shouldn't be mentioned, let alone honored. Um, I love Isaiah 6. Isaiah's grieving over the death of Uzziah. He goes into the temple and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. His train fills the temple. He sees the beings around him crying, holy, holy, and covering their faces and all that. And, and he falls down like a dead man and says, woe is me, uh, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He was transfixed. Um, I believe there are a lot of appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. I believe in the burning bush that Moses really was talking to the Lord. Whenever it says the angel of the Lord, and then it says, and the Lord said, I think you really have to look at that very carefully. I believe the captain of the Lord's host that appeared to Joshua is probably Jesus. I believe the, there are many Christophanies. Now, Jesus didn't get, I mean, uh, Christ the Lord did not just come into being when Mary conceived. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Transfixed. I love the song, How Great Thou Art. It's just we don't know how great he is. I mean, we can't. What kind of mind are we talking to? I think sometimes it's just good to sit there and think about that before you pray. Who am I talking to here? This is not somebody I understand. 
This is not somebody I can manipulate. This is not somebody who uh, is a respecter of persons. He loves us, thank God. Transfixed. <clears throat> I, I grew up with a familiar gospel, and thank God I met the Lord to the extent that I knew him. I met the Lord in that context, and um, I wasn't motivated by the transfixation. I was motivated a lot by, well, I didn't want to go to hell. I mean, that's, that's okay. It's just not the best motive. Um, I think Billy Graham said fear is not a good motive, but it beats no motive at all. And um, we lived in a small church. We went to a small lived. I actually lived in the church, too, for a while. But we were in a um, small church, and we had this evangelist who was long and lanky and and he didn't have, my dad didn't have this kind of pulpit. It was kind of shorter and smaller. And, and this evangelist would lean way over. And he'd been a church member before he really met the Lord. And so he was really rough on church members, which I was. And uh, he preached about hell like he just got back. <laughs> so I was transfixed by hell. Uh, but um, but I did receive Christ. Transfixed. The second word is transformed. Transformed. Second Corinthians three seventeen and eighteen. Beholding Him, we're changed into that same image from glory to glory. Transformed. Transfixed. But don't run off. Behold him. Beholding a continuous thing. We are transformed into that same image. If we want to become like him, we have to meditate. I would, if I could give a homework assignment, it would be to read again the book of Colossians, particularly the third chapter, verse 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, set your mind on things which are above, where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, not on things of earth. There's a book I, I, I highly recommend by Dr. Caroline Leaf called uh, Switch on Your Brain. Some of you probably have read it. But um, it's a great book. She's a Christian. And she is also a neuroscientist. And she makes a strong case that how you think actually physically changes your brain. Of course, the scripture says that, but we just have to get it from science to really believe it. But actually, she says that when you think in a consistent direction, whatever it is, you're actually creating paths in your physical brain. And the more you dwell on it, the more you're creating little cities around that path. And it becomes where you live. And uh, she said, you know, you have the power to physiologically affect how your brain develops. Excellent book. If you then being risen with Christ, 
Set your mind. Set your mind. You know something about the kingdom? It's voluntary. Evil, go, evil grows by intimidation and violence. And it grows. Intimidation is not the way of God, actually. Uh, it's a voluntary. We're, we behold him. We're changed by what we see. Um, I'll, I'll maybe talk more about that tomorrow. The third word is transferred. We are transfixed by him. We are transformed beholding him, and we're transformed by him out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ. Colossians 1.13. He, he writes our name in the book. Praise God. We are transferred out of the dominion or domination, which is not voluntary. My granddaughter is very interested in uh, trafficking the... Um, sex slavery trade and works out of the DA's office in uh, our city. And it's amazing how many women are enslaved, even if they're not involved in trafficking, are enslaved in other ways. Thank God Jesus came to set women free, and how our society treats women and children is probably the best measure of what kind of society it is. Um, but I, I was amazed to find out how many are in captivity, physical captivity. The Bible says that God is at work in us, Philippians 2.13. God is at work in us both to will and to do. Will and to do. Will and to do. His, your will be done. Paul said, let all things be done decently in order, but he said, let all things be done. <laughs> Some people so decent in order, nothing's done. <laughs> My mother-in-law went to a church, I won't mention what kind it was, but it was rather formal and the pastor, in an effort to warm it up at the end of the service, said, I'd like all of you members to welcome a guest that you may see around you and make them feel at home. And so um, a lady in the church was actually named Gladys, and um, her name was Gladys Dunn. And she went to a guest and said, hi, I'm Gladys Dunn. The lady said, I am too. Um, and I think... Um, There's not much being done in some cases, but, but remember, thy will be done. He's the king. If he really rules in our lives, something will be done. The reason a lot of the revival of the 60s and 70s faded is because we enjoyed an experience but quit doing what he told us to do and we've paid a high price for it. Thy will be done. I'll close this, I keep saying that. You know, the 
<laughs> Pastor said, now as I continue to close, um, anyway, I recommend a couple of books written by a man named Nick, N-I-K, Ripkin, R-I-P-K-I-N. That's a pseudonym. It's not his real name. Nick, N-I-K, R-I-P-K-I-N, called The Insanity. The first one's called The Insanity of God. The second is called The Insanity of Obedience. If you, if you get into this, it will affect your life. Ripkin is a missionary, was a missionary in Kenya and Malawi and Mogadishu. Some of you remember Black Hawk Down. He was a missionary there at that time. Can you imagine being a missionary in Mogadishu? Um, anyway, they lost a son due to a, uh, an allergy in uh, Kenya, 16-year-old. He and his wife returned home burned out, and I'm really cutting through the story. They decided to become part of Open Doors, Brother Andrew's organization, and interview Christians who were being persecuted. And they interviewed Christians in 72 countries in the worst parts of the earth. Christianity is growing the best. It'll make you wonder how much Christianity we really know here. Uh, it will impact your spirit, I think. It did mine. Well, the kingdom of God is a mystery, and the Bible says it's the wisdom of kings to search out a matter. So let's explore the reason God made a covenant with us in the blood of Christ is so that his government can be in us and we could become ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Ambassadors do not represent themselves and tourists are not ambassadors. You can go somewhere and not be an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who is sent by the government to represent the government and obedience demonstrates the kingdom. Thank you, and God bless you.